Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Today's reading is from the first chapter of Luke, verses 26 through 35. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Tom, thanks for doing our reading today. Appreciate that. Well, for those of you who are worried that you're going to hear the same sermon you heard last night if you were here, um, it's not the same sermon, but it's the same theme, if that's okay. So Christmas. Um, also, I want to mention there's some outlines by the door. If you didn't get one, if you're watching online, they're available on our website. You won't be uh, filling in any blanks till toward the end of the sermon. So when you think the sermon's almost over and you haven't filled anything out, don't panic. Um, you know, you get to fill things out at the end. So please listen carefully. But if you're filling and taking notes in the blanks, it won't be toward the end of the message. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. Happy birthday. Thank you for the sacrifices you have made for us, out of your love for us. And Lord, we are here because we love you and we want to reflect back to you, your glory. And we want to say thank you and appreciate you. Lord, we pray for our children right now as, as they are celebrating your birthday over in the Sunday school rooms and, and pray that this will be a special day for them here at church. And it wouldn't just be the day where they remember their physical presence that they get from their parents, their family members, uh, from Santa, but they'd remember the gift of Jesus Christ, Lord. And Lord, we came here because we want to remember that gift, the greatest of gifts, and so we say thank you. Lord, we're mindful of those around the world that haven't yet unwrapped this gift and don't know Jesus. Uh, some of them are perhaps in our own homes, our own families, our neighbors, people we work with, people around the world. And we pray, Lord, that we would shine the light in a way that would draw people to Jesus Christ, that they too might be saved. Lord, as we look in your word now, we invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, for him to speak through me words that honor Christ. And we pray these things through that beautiful name, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. A friend of mine was hosting some Chinese exchange students in her home, and they were from communist China. They were, were atheists. They were communists. And they started asking her some questions about Christianity because they knew she was a Christian. And they were very curious about Christianity. And so she started to describe to them um, things about Christianity. And as she was telling them 
the Bible stories and leading up to Jesus and the Christmas story, she was thinking to herself, this must sound really absurd to anyone who is hearing all these for the first time, like these Chinese students. And her conversation went something like this. Yes, that's right. There was a talking serpent, but he was actually the devil. Uh-huh, Adam was made out of dirt. No, Eve, no, she wasn't made out of dirt. She was made out of Adam's side. No, he was asleep when it happened, so he didn't feel a thing. How many ribs does he have? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, they were both naked, the two of them, and they were the only two people on the planet. And this talking snake convinced them to eat some fruit, and it killed them. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't poisonous fruit, but they died. Well, they didn't, like, die right away. They died later. Well, they did die right away. I mean, spiritually, let's just go on. Noah, you've heard about Noah and the flood? Oh, that's an easy one. Well, the world got so evil, and the whole world was evil, except there was one righteous man named Noah, so God, out of his love, decided to destroy everybody. And he told Noah that he should build a big boat and get two of every kind of animal from the entire world and get them on the boat. No, it was a big boat. No, they all fit. Well, I don't know. Maybe they were baby animals. Well, God told them to get on the boat. No, the animals didn't eat each other. If they ate each other, because there's only two, let's go on with the story. Yes, it was, the whole world was destroyed. Yes, no, yes, it wasn't just Noah. He could bring his wife and kids. No, he couldn't bring any neighbors or people other, just his wife. And, that's it. Well, let's go on to another story. It's easier. Let me tell you about the story of Christmas. It's, it's an easy story. It's a wonderful story. It's the story of Jesus being born. Who is Jesus? Well, he's God, of course. He's always been God. In fact, he was God before he was even born. No, no, no. The Father, yes, the Father is God. Jesus is God. And then the Holy Spirit is God. No, no, no. There aren't three gods. There's one God. Don't you get it? One God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God. <laughs> anyway, Jesus, who is God, became an embryo. And he was implanted into the womb of a young teenage Jewish girl. No, no, they told her first. No, she said yes. Well, yes, she was a virgin. And who was the father? Well, the father was Father God, of course. Joseph? Well, no, he was just the stepdad. Well, how did it happen? Well, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did it. It was miraculous. And Jesus became an embryo in a womb and then was born in a cave with a bunch of animals. No, no, God knew it was going to happen. Well, I don't know why they weren't better prepared, but there was no place for them in the inn, so they're born in a cave. And, and yes, no, the family wasn't there. It was the shepherds. Oh, they were related to shepherds. No, these were like total strangers that came. Oh, we get it. No, we don't. Well, who was he? Well, no, he was Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, born in a cave. And then the king of the Jews, a man by the name of Herod, was jealous. And he heard that this baby was the king of the Jews, and Herod thought he was the king of the Jews. So he went to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and he slaughtered all the baby boys. And that's part of the Christmas story that we celebrate. No, we don't really celebrate the slaughtering. We, we celebrate the birth part. Oh, well, 
let me just go on. So Jesus grew up and declared that he was God. And so the people killed him. They killed God? No, they didn't kill God. They killed Jesus. I thought you said Jesus was God. Well, he is God, but they didn't kill the God part of Jesus. They killed the man part of Jesus. Doesn't that all make sense? (laughs) And then they placed Jesus, the dead part of him, in the tomb for three days. And he came back alive again. And if you believe all this, God will forgive you of your sins. And when you die, you get to go to heaven. So, let me ask you, do you believe? Do I believe? I mean, it sounds absurd when you hear it for the first time. Maybe as you hear it again, you go, it does sound kind of strange, kind of absurd. I think Christmas is an absurd holiday. Why would God do such a thing? Webster's Dictionary defines the word absurd this way. It says, clearly unreasonable, inconsistent with reason, or the plain dictates of common sense. When you think about it, the Christmas season is filled with absurdities, with fantasies. I mean, flying reindeer that land on your roof? Have you seen what hail does to your roof, let alone reindeer landing on your roof, and a really heavy man in a sled with all the presents of the entire world on your roof? It's absurd. And this full-bodied old man not only goes down your chimney, which we don't have in Hawaii, so I don't know how it works here, but he also shimmies up the chimney, and he delivers presents to the entire world on the same night. And omnisciently, he knows what everybody wants. And they're talking and singing snowmen. There are Grinches that steal Christmas, and there are elves. And yes, There's God being born as a baby in a cave. The story is familiar to us, so it can seem normal, but it is anything but normal. Listen as I read to you some familiar verses in Luke 1, verse 30. Luke 1, 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You ever wonder why when angels show up, they always lead with, don't be afraid? Because we're afraid. This angelic being shows up and is about to say something to you, and she's afraid. And then it gets, I think, a little frightening. She's going to be told she's pregnant by God. That would be kind of frightening. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. She doesn't even get to choose his name. And he will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. His kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, what would you say to the angel? How absurd. (laughs) That's what she said. But she said it more nicely. She said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? This is absurd. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Offspring shall be called the Son of God. Wonderful, incredible, spectacular. But dare we say, it's a little absurd if you hear it for the first time and maybe for the second or third time. Christmas is an absurd holiday. With the same breath, the world speaks of Santa and baby Jesus. 
With the same skills, artists will craft beautiful Christmas cards with reindeer and elves and snowmen and Jesus. And the same artists will create a nativity set with Jesus. And you'll get Christmas cards, and some will have nativity sets, and some will have Santa. We put up nativity sets on our lawn along with inflated Santa or inflated Grinch or reindeer. With the same commitment to tradition, we take our children to see Santa Claus at the mall and to see Jesus in a Christmas pageant at church. We sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come, followed by Santa Claus is coming to town. It's absurd. I have a slide to show you. I, I thought this illustrated well how we celebrate Christmas. You can get this ornament for your tree if you want. And I realize they're trying to say that Jesus is the reason for the season and even Santa bows to Jesus, and I get that. But I'm just wondering if that doesn't authenticate what I'm saying about we mix up the fantasy with the reality and we're not sure which is which. It's a rather absurd holiday, but some parts of it are actually true. I mean, I'm all for creating imagination in the minds of your children. I think make-believe can be fun and wholesome and enjoyable. I, too, like the smell of Christmas trees, and I don't think because Christmas trees have some pagan origin that you shouldn't have them in your house. I'm not a Grinch. I don't think just because you can rearrange the letters of Santa to spell S-A-T-A-N that he's the devil. That spells Satan for those who are slow at their spelling. <laughs> and I like getting presents whether you put your name on it or Santa's name on it. But like you, I need to pause and reflect and ask myself, which of the absurdities of Christmas are actually true? And it's important that our children understand which ones are true. God with diapers, absurd, but true. The creator of the universe, born naked and helpless, a baby with an uncontrollable bladder, absurd, but true. I obviously have never been pregnant, I never will be, but I imagine that Mary, nine months pregnant, traveling most likely by foot, not a donkey. I mean, has anybody ever tried to travel by donkey? I mean, you're not going to travel days by donkey. I'm sorry. <laughs> she she would have walked. <laughs> it's absurd. She was going, this is absurd. I'm nine months pregnant with the Son of God. Her Jewish upbringings had taught her to look for the Messiah, but they hadn't taught her to look for the Messiah within her own womb. Absurd. First time moms are usually a little nervous about having newborn babies, bringing them home from the hospital, away from the experts, and into a house where the only person she has to help her is a hapless, helpless, hopeless hubby who knows, knows how to cradle a football, but not a baby, who knows how to change the oil, but not a diaper. Imagine Mary thinking, this is the Son of God. The salvation of the entire human race depends on 
me at this moment that I don't drop him. <laughs> no, Joseph, you can't hold a baby. I mean, I don't know how it worked. <laughs> I'm sure the absurdity of it caused her to shiver in fear and shiver with laughter. A teenage girl nursing the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. But think about the absurdity from the Savior's eyes, which are barely open and can't focus. A mind that has been emptied of omniscience and has to learn things, everything. Legs that can't walk, a tongue that can't speak, and as I mentioned, a bladder that can't control itself. Many people reject the story of Jesus the story of Christmas, because it just sounds too absurd to them. And to be honest, they're right. It's a good point. It sounds absurd. Shepherds seeing angels and rushing to find the Savior of mankind sleeping in a feeding trough. Persian astrologers known as magi seeing a star that somehow leads them to a very particular specific house in a small town of Bethlehem. It sounds... Absurd. But it's true. And the absurdity of the Christmas story continues beyond Christmas, beyond reason. The creator of the universe, the savior of the world, spends a good part of 30 years building furniture and not saving the world. Almost at the last minute in his last three years, like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I'm supposed to be saving the world. <laughs> that seems a little absurd to me. That he hadn't spent more time with his mission. And the promise of eternal life, or the promiser of eternal life, dies in order to provide that eternal life. It seems absurd. And three days later, he rises from the dead, and even though... Those who called themselves disciples had been told he'd do, he'd do this. Not one disciple, not one waited outside the tomb to see if the resurrection would be true. Not a one. And then he rises from the dead. He greets his disciples. He spends short time with them. And then he says, Shalom, I'm out of here. And they go, wait, and they watch him ascend up into heaven. What kind of absurd religion is this? It's the only true one. To reject the biblical story of Christmas, no matter how absurd it sounds, forces one to choose some other absurd system to believe in. Think about it. What does the atheist believe? Well, they believe there's no God, that everything happened by random chance. Your precious little girl is a product of lightning hitting a rock. There's no purpose to your life. You have no value. There's no absolute truth or morality. And the only reason that you think rape and murder are heinous is because you decided that they are heinous. That is utterly absurd. You could decide you'll become a Hindu. They believe in karma and reincarnation. 
that your grandma didn't live a very good life, so she's been reincarnated, reincarnated now as a frog. And your auntie isn't much better. She's a praying mantis. That's absurd. And you keep going through this cycle until you get it right? How does a praying mantis get it right? Or you could become an Islamic fundamentalist. And you believe that you have a ticket to paradise if you fill your heart with hate and kill an infidel Christian or Jew. And as a reward, you get 70 virgins. If you're a man, if you're a woman, well, it's even worse. It's absurd. You can embrace Buddhism, the absurdity that only by desiring to empty yourself of all desire can you reach the desired state of being without desires forever. Great, who wants that? And the irreligious fool holds the absurd belief that if he just closes his eyes, shuts his ears, and ignores God, heaven and hell will go away. You have to choose. Everybody has to choose which absurd religion are you going to follow. I would suggest you follow the true one. The story of Christmas. The story of Jesus Christ. The religion that leads to eternal life forever. Yes, the story of Christmas may sound absurd, but what's even more absurd is that there are people who reject it. And they reject the only hope of heaven, of eternal life. Why did God deliver this truth in such an absurd fashion? Why did God become a baby, live, die, and rise again? Why did God choose to suffer indignation, condemnation, humiliation, and crucifixion? Why didn't he choose another way to provide eternal life that looked more rational? Well, there are at least two good reasons that come to my mind, and here's where you get to fill in your outline there. Question, why did God choose such an absurd way to provide eternal life? Why did God choose such an absurd, now that's in quotes, way to provide eternal life? Well, answer number one is this, because there is no other way. Because there is no other way. Think about it. When an omniscient meaning all-knowing, omnipotent, meaning all-powerful God, comes up with a plan, it's because it's the best plan. For us to think we could come up with a better plan or we have a better idea or we don't like his plan is utter foolishness. It's actually blasphemy. There is no better way. So the reason that God chose such an absurd way to provide eternal life, number one, is because there's no other way. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 6. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth, and no one comes to the Father but through me. This is the only way. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other way. It's through Jesus, no one else. For there is no other name, the name of Jesus under heaven, that has been granted among men by which we must be saved. It's the only way. But there's a second reason why God did it this way. And that's because God's love for you has no limits. It has no limits. His love for you has no limits. This was the way to save you, and there are no limits to God's love, so he sent his very own son to be born, to live, to die, and to resurrect. 
Jesus himself said it this way in John 15, verse 13. John says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And God's love has no limits. So that's why he did it this way. Jesus would rather go to hell for you than to live in heaven without you. And so he suffered hell so you wouldn't have to. And that's absolutely absurd, but it's true, and it's loving, and it's kind. There's no limits to God's love. So let me close by asking you, do you believe this absurd story of Christmas? Do you believe that Jesus came, he died for your sins, my sins? He conquered the grave, and he rose from the dead, and he's offering all of us the privilege of reigning with him forever in a perfect world. That's the fuller story of Christmas. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads, even close your eyes, but still listen so you can have a private moment. If you're watching online, I encourage you also just to bow your heads for this moment of prayer. If you believe the story but never embrace Jesus fully or unsure if you have, I want to lead you in a prayer that you can say quietly in your own heart. Pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I believe what you've done. I believe you died for my sin. I believe that you rose from the grave and conquered death. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and save me and take away my sins. And grant me that beautiful gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we continue to pray, we, we pray, Lord, that you would help us as Christians to hold fast to the truth, to speak it well, to live it out well, and to keep us from being swayed by those things that are absurd and untrue around us. Help us to shine the light of Jesus Christ, we pray. In his name, amen.